From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. Getting in touch with what your emotions are and recognizing them that, you know, there's no such thing as a good or a bad emotion, certainly. It's what they are and how we react to them that's important. Today on episode 85 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Mike Smith. After 25 years as a sports and entertainment executive at the NFL, NBC, and Deloitte, Mike wanted to leave the corporate world and become a consultant and coach. The sudden change in his daily routine is one of the many topics we covered in our thought-provoking discussion. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Mike Smith. Mike founded Huddle Advisory, a human capital consulting firm, after 25 years as a sports and entertainment executive at the NFL, NBC, and Deloitte. His background centers around leading organizational service functions, human resources, finance, technology, and administration. After multiple finance leadership roles, Mike made a mid-career transition to human capital because of his passion for engaging people to drive business performance. Having served as both a CHRO and a CFO, Mike has a unique lens to view business and talent strategy alignment. Mike, welcome to the show. David, thanks so much for having me. It's really, really great to be here. It's great to have you on. too, Mike, you have quite a track record growing into very senior leadership positions in major organizations. So first of all, congratulations on all that you've achieved in your career. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's sort of a combination of, of great mentors and hard work and, uh, you know, capitalizing on opportunities when they present themselves. But it was definitely a fun ride, I must say. And I suspect that in your work in these organizations, all of which are major organizations, you have had some significant impact with um, the people that they serve. Yeah, no, I, I'd like to think so. I mean, I think at a uh, an early stage of my career, I recognized the value of a great boss as a person to really learn from and as a person that would really support my own learning and growth. And so uh, I hope along the way, what I try to do is pay that forward a little bit because you know, having a great mentor to allow you the room to grow and to fail and to try new things, uh, it really has such a disproportionate impact on a person's work experience. And so me sort of following other great leaders uh, has been, you know, an incredible, incredible experience for me. Oh, yeah. Mentors are uh, are definitely really important for our own success. And, you know, it's interesting. You So you describe, I mean, in, in your bio, I talked about your transition from finance leadership roles into human capital, which is a big transition, yet you are embarking on another transition into entrepreneurship, which is, um, I don't know, which do you think is a bigger transition? You know, that's, that's such a tough question. You know, it's, I've always been this person that always had this internal clock of, is my learning curve steep enough? And am I uh, growing? Am I pushing myself out of my comfort zone? And, you know, along the way, even when I was in my finance career, I I had the ability to change jobs or try new things or take on special projects, whether that was at Deloitte working with the Comcast engagement or at NBC working in Philadelphia and at Los Angeles. 
And, you know, my move from finance to HR when I was at the NFL was, you know, really driven by by that change that, you know, at some point uh, I was in my role overseeing the league office finances uh, at that point, probably six, seven years. The CFO of the NFL, you know, he was doing a great job, wasn't going anywhere. I had groomed my successor, uh, again, that notion of trying to pay it forward to others, and he was ready to take my job. And, you know, I, I was a talent blocker, which is, you know, the, the most uncomfortable feeling to be in that, you know, you're doing a fine job, but you're blocking someone else's path. And so I knew I needed to go do something else. And when I looked around the NFL, I was really always passionate around people and culture. Uh, one of the, the side projects I started there is uh, an employee recognition program called the Commissioner Awards, where we had a peer recognition program and created awards and celebrated employees' accomplishments. And it really gave me an inside view of all the little things people did in order to create big success at scale in an organization like the NFL. And so I just started a conversation with uh, the commissioner and the executive team of, you know, what if we created a role at the NFL that thought about people and culture in the same strategic way that we thought about, you know, the game or how we sell tickets or how we sell media rights? And, you know, they gave me the opportunity to, to start something new there and create a talent role where it was everything from how we acquired talent to how we developed them to how we compensated them and everything in between. And it was an incredible experience and, and flexed very different muscles for me personally. And what was fun is that at, after initially doing it, probably thinking in the back of my mind that it was a pit stop and just a, a tour of duty, I so fell in love with the notion of uh, driving a business through people and figuring out how you marry organizational goals with individual goals, I knew at that point I was never gonna go back. That you know, some type of role in HR where I got to leverage all my finance background in an HR capacity was gonna be my way forward. Now, fast forward a little bit, you know, my internal clock started to go again. And I had been at that point uh, at the NFL for over 15 seasons in an HR role, including, uh, you know, overseeing the entire HR function for six or seven seasons. And I just knew that it was time for me to go do something else. You know, there was sort of nothing left for me to accomplish at the NFL. Uh, it was a great, great place, so many memories, so many friends, so many things we're proud of. But, you know, having lived in corporate life for 25 plus years and, you know, commuting into New York City every day for the last, you know, 15 plus, I knew I wanted a diversity of experiences, diversity of challenges, a little bit more life flexibility, a little bit more control of my own my own week. And that's when I decided to, you know, make the plunge into solopreneurship. And so, you know, I think that there's some recency bias that the, the more recent change is maybe the bigger change. But, you know, I would say probably both of them were seismic shifts in different ways. But, you know, all these experiences are cumulative on top of each other. And I would not have been able to make the shift to this role without having made all the other shifts I made previously. Wow, I'm um, reflecting on your your desire to not basically not stand still in your professional life, and when you felt like you were perhaps approaching a plateau, that it was time to move to something that would push you out of your comfort zone, so you would grow. Yet at the same time, when we do something new, it can also be quite daunting. 
Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think there, it sort of sounds a little cliche, but, you know, the world is getting increasingly full of change. The speed at which things are changing is incrementally faster today than it was five years ago. And this notion of agility and adaptability uh, are things that people need to, they certainly hear and understand uh, and reflect upon, but uh, building that skill and getting you know, comfortable with being uncomfortable are things that I just had instilled in me uh, years ago. And again, probably from great mentors that pushed me in that direction, whether I consciously or unconsciously knew it. And so this notion of you always have to be challenging yourself, learning something, not only does that, you know, is it exciting and sort of always creates uh, fresh new experiences, but I think equally as important, it just opens up new doors and creates options for yourself that, you know, in life, you always want to be creating options for yourself because you never know when someone's going to be closing an option for you unexpectedly. Uh, you know, I'm making this career transition to consulting life after consulting of my own volition uh, and something that was part of a you know semi uh, life plan, whereas a lot of people oftentimes are forced into this decision. And so the notion that you prepare yourself before you have to prepare is probably a value lesson uh, for people to just really intentionally think about in terms of how they're going about their own skill development and learning plan. Yeah, that is so well said. And, and I'm a big believer in always having a plan B because we may have desires to move in a particular direction, but sometimes the world around us pushes us in a way that um, that we may not have chosen. And, and yes, many people at 25 plus years in, in significant positions as employees find themselves moving into entrepreneurship, most likely as a consultant or as a coach, by circumstance rather than by design. Yeah. And how you enter this phase of of your next phase of your career, you know, the, the path you got there does matter, certainly. You know, was it a surprise? Was it something where you were completely happy in your previous role? You know, how fulfilled are you personally from an identity standpoint outside of work versus solely having work fulfill a lot of your identity? I, I recognize that a lot of those, those paths matter. But regardless of how you find yourself at this phase in your career, you know, I go back to something I said where you have to get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. That that doesn't mean that you're not, I'm not uncomfortable. There, there was sort of there was this romantic notion that uh, sort of everyone has as post corporate life, and you know, you get to plan your day how you see fit, and you've got a little bit of flexibility, and and all that is true. But uh, it's also a radical change. And as much as I thought about what life was going to be like, it didn't prepare me fully for what the reality of what it was like. So, you know, the simple thing such as, uh, you know, in corporate life, you have somebody that is constantly commanding your attention 24-7. Your email box is constantly full. You've got a, a built-in community, rightly or wrongly, of work colleagues that generally fill more of your day than you know your personal colleagues do. And all of that is gone almost instantaneously. So there is this feeling of loneliness or emptiness that comes when 
people don't need you. Uh, and, you know, it's not that your family doesn't need you and it's not that your family doesn't value having you home more. It's just that having been a person that everyone relies on for such an extended period of time to now not need to be relied upon and having so much time in your hands creates just a different set of challenges that you have to address. And, you know, how do you create your own community? How do you create structure in your life? How do you make sure that you've got a plan and moving in the right direction? Those are the types of things now that, again, are likely flexing new muscles that someone that's been in corporate for 25 plus years let atrophied. Mm. So let, let's talk about getting comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. What strategies or techniques have you found are really helpful for you to get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable? You know, there's a lot of people that talk about, you know, mindset. And I think, you know, that probably people either talk about fixed or growth mindset or or other variations of it. But I do think it starts with a recognition of it's okay to be feeling a little bit restless. And if you've got the benefit of some time and some financial flexibility, probably my best piece of advice is give yourself permission to actually relax, which is maybe one of the hardest first steps to actually take. You know, so often people never get the time to recharge the battery, you know, in quotes. And I will say it's actually harder to recharge the battery than people think it is. And again, is that a high class problem? Maybe, but it's actually harder to do. <laughs> it's, it's, it's harder to do than people think it is. And to uh, really use the time productively and uh, just use it to reset is so, so important. But, you know, when you're in this moment of transition and figuring out what to do, you know, if you feel defensive or negative or uncertain, I think just a healthy recognition that that is totally normal. You know, in some ways, it's almost like this evolutionary instinct that we have in order to, you know, fight or flight or freeze, you know, one of those reactions. And I think a recognition that it's okay to feel that way. It's normal. You know, we have this sort of learned sense of helpless, helplessness about us that we have to just manage through. And I think getting in touch with what your emotions are and recognizing them that, you know, there's no such thing as a good or a bad emotion, certainly. It's just, it's what they are and how we react to them that's important. And I think what one of the things that I was, I think, good at early on is, and I probably got this through my own, you know, informal board of directors that I leaned on, is really recognizing the value of realistic optimism. That, you know, it's it's optimism knowing that you've got some work to do and knowing that there's going to be some obstacles that you have to get around, but maintaining the right attitude in the face of those expected obstacles is in my mind, the healthiest kind of mindset to be in is that sort of state of realistic optimism. And, you know, I, I got there, I think, by, you know, surrounding myself with, with some really good, positive people, by, you know, uh, many days not going on social media and ignoring, you know, whatever on the cable news cycle of the day, you know, really getting yourself into the right mental state is what prepares you for then being able to then figure out what your next chapter is. Because how you view the world and what mental state you're in is going to be opening up possibilities for you or closing possibilities for you. 
and doing it with the the most calm, fresh perspective is going to be opening up the maximum amount of possibilities for you uh, as you take this next step. Um, that is so well said, Mike. And you know, as you were describing the need to relax, the importance of relaxation, so that you can also achieve this state of realistic optimism. I was thinking about humans have a lot of built-in mechanisms and actually long-standing traditions of forced relaxation. One is we sleep every day for a big chunk of time, and we do it every single day. There is a human tradition of taking at least one day out of seven and doing something differently. And in many professions, there is a notion of a sabbatical or a time to do something different and to recharge, think differently, work on something that is different so that you can come back and perhaps move to a new level in whatever you, you're doing next. Yeah. And I think you, you need to take that time and also recognize in some respects how intertwined your physical well-being and your mental well-being and your emotional well-being are. You know, I I used to joke with my wife that, you know, during the pandemic, I sort of got into this version of fat fit where I was like eating too much during the day because we didn't go anywhere, but I exercised and I was in better shape than I ever was uh, in my entire life practically. And I don't know, for, for those that exercise that are in your audience, the amount of creativity that comes to me when I'm in the middle of a workout it almost doesn't surprise me anymore that a thought will come to me that I will know I wouldn't have had unless I was on a bike or on the treadmill. And so recognizing the the total total physical well-being that comes from health, I think is is so important. And I also think it it's also important to just think about the power of a negative thought relative to a positive thought. You know, there there's a lot of things out there that, you know, it takes uh, three positive uh, interactions to offset one negative one. And so think about how much positivity you need in your life to truly get into a positive state, because it's going to take three just to get you back to neutral if you have a negative one. So, you know, taking the time during that initial period to think about all these issues, digest all these issues, and then get yourself into the right place to go attack what's next, uh, I just think was critical for me and is critical for others. Yeah, it's so important. And I'm glad we actually spent a lot of time talking about this, because one of the issues that I hear from people going through a transition like you're going through now from long-time corporate career, high-level positions where your inbox is always full, you're always needed, to this pause where you're, or, or at least a, a change where you're, the demand on your time is quite different. The way others may need you is different. One of the issues that many people have, and I experience this through the similar kinds of transitions that I've had in my life, is... I think there's a cultural expectation, especially in America, that we're always we're always moving, we're always busy, we're always doing something that is productive. And especially when you're in your first stage of entrepreneurship, as you're figuring out what your business is going to look like, that takes some time. What what do you communicate to other people about what you're doing? You know, I I think there's sort of the the internal voice that you're telling yourself and, you know, the external voice that you would articulate, you know, for those people that 
have this constant drive to be productive and have a plan and to be active, I would sort of have that internal voice and, and even write out on a piece of paper, whatever works for people, that you know your near-term plan is to recharge. Your, your near-term plan is to read the book that you always wanted to learn and you know develop a different worldview doing something that you wouldn't normally do. Your plan right now is to take a, an online course to see if there's a new skill out there that may be interesting for you. So have structure if you need structure for your recharging plan, but I don't think there's any 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 shame in sort of making that sort of your near-term focus. And then, you know, your external voice that you're using with people, I think in today's day and age, people in some ways are very receptive, if not jealous around the notion of I'm making a conscious attempt to take a short-term sabbatical now, I'm going to be figuring out what my next step is, and then, you know, I'll be looping back to you uh, to talk more about it. And, you know, along the way, I might access my network, including you to bounce ideas off of and, and test different theories I have. Because one thing that sort of uh, has been beneficial out of 2020 and into 2021 is that I think just about everybody has got a new way to think around what work is and what life is. And I think that has really expanded people's perspective around you know what is normal at this point. And so for those of us that are making this transition during this period of time, obviously it comes with challenges that wouldn't normally be the case. But you know, with that realistic optimism, it's also presenting amazing opportunities because you're living a life that now is a lot less abnormal than it used to be because these kinds of transitions only got accelerated during 2020 as opposed to decelerated for for many folks. Well said. With that in mind, where are you now and what you're doing with your consulting firm? So I've got a handful of different paths here. And, you know, one of them is definitely under the uh, umbrella of always be learning. So, you know, my path post-NFL, I probably already has had two or three different acts of things that I thought I was going to do didn't work out, things I thought I was going to do then uh, went in a different direction. So one strand of it is I'm actually going back to school. So I started a doctoral program uh, through Vanderbilt around leadership and learning and how you use data to tie the first two together. And it's been a blast. It's been a ton of work, but it's been incredibly developmental. And I decided that as I was talking to people and talking about the value of uh, investing in your talent in your organization, I'm going to use this year to these, this period of time, I should say, to actually invest in myself. So that's thing one. Thing two is executive coaching and picking up clients. So, uh, you know, in some ways, I've actually almost intentionally stayed away from my backyard of sports and media and picked up clients in different industries at different stages just because I wanted to really push myself and learn something new. So I've got a client that's a public company CEO in a field that is fairly different from my background, got some clients that are you know more startup founders, got clients that are just at different stages, later stages going through their own career transition. So it's been fun. And for me right now, uh, my client base is in some ways experimental before I get locked in a, on a particular archetype because I want to sort of expose myself to as many things as possible. And then three is on the consulting side, uh, either through myself or subcontracting for others. You know, my my secret sauce 
plus is this a very unusual finance and HR backgrounds where I speak just a different language when I look at people and culture. Uh, and I'm just finding that to be really, really fun to now uh, pursue those activities through through a consulting lens. So between my own personal development, my one-on-one -on -one executive coaching and uh, doing human capital consulting, uh, I like the diversity of all those three uh, paths at the current moment. Um, that sounds great. Well, Mike, you certainly have an extraordinary background and an incredibly positive way of framing things for people in transition. If anyone wants to learn more about you, access any resources you may have, or get in touch with you, what's the best way to do it? Yeah, so I guess two ways. Uh, uh, my website, huddleadvisory.com, there's a contact me uh, uh, a section if anybody just wants to have a, a chat and uh, think things through, happy to do that. And obviously, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. So uh, certainly also available to uh, meet people and chat through uh, any issue or problem or lend my perspective to folks. Okay, so huddleadvisory.com or LinkedIn are the two, two primary methods of getting in touch. That's exactly right. Okay, great. We will include those in the show notes. Uh, Mike, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Going Solo and uh, share your incredible insights. My guest today has been the CEO and founder of Huddle Advisory, Mike Smith. Thank you again, Mike, for joining us. Thanks, David. Thanks so much for having me. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today we learned how to stay optimistic when you're feeling uncomfortable and much more. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.